Hi, this is Scott Thompson. Welcome to the Scott Thompson Show podcast. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends. Feel free to subscribe. Coming up on today's show, Donald Trump tests positive for COVID-19. How does he sell this to his supporters? How does the president testing positive for COVID-19 change the election campaign? Will there be another debate? It's all coming up on the Scott Thompson Show podcast. Today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. I'm Curtis Thompson, Scott's son. The weekend is almost here. COVID-19 case numbers are up. Remember to practice the protocol. Boy, am I glad I have my leg cast to snuggle up with and keep me company. It's the Scott Thompson Home Show. Here's Scott Thompson. It is 1211. It is 900 CHML. I'm Scott Thompson. Will Erskine back at the station keeping the Scott Thompson Home Show on the air as we wind up 29 weeks of uh, the Scott Thompson Home Show. Uh, feel free to jump into the conversation, Facebook and Twitter. You know the rules there. I'm rushing here because I got a jam-packed show and I'm trying to get all the guests in as uh, quickly as we can. Uh, honestly, I fell asleep watching Jimmy Kimmel last night and I woke up on the couch with a sore neck seeing a red breaking news banner and I thought it was part of a show. Little did I realize that uh, as you switched around, every network was carrying the fact that Donald Trump and Melania Trump, uh, the first lady, have tested positive for uh, COVID-19. Are we surprised? I'm not sure. Here's what Donald Trump said during the debate about Joe Biden constantly wearing a mask. I don't have I don't wear masks like him. Every time you see him, he's got a mask. He could be speaking 200 feet away from it. He shows up with the biggest mask I've ever seen. All right, let's bring in Elliot Tepper, Emeritus Professor of Political Science, Carleton University. He is with us now. Elliot, I hope you're doing well. Thanks for your time. <laughs> Good afternoon, Scott. What do you think about this, Elliot? I mean, you know, I, I asked myself last night, you know, are we surprised? I guess I'm not surprised. What I am surprised is more of his family members haven't tested positive. But what are your thoughts, especially when you obviously know of his positioning on all of this? I mean, I guess this means it's not a hoax after all. But but, but where do you go from here, Elliot? Part of it, of course, uh, is totally out of anybody's hands, which is how he is going to react uh, to the infection. The president of Burundi died from it. And uh, back in early in the summer, actually. And then uh, we also have the cases of Boris Johnson, who was so sick that he said it was touch and go, but he's recovered and back and fully in charge. Bolsonaro of Brazil, who's sometimes called the Trump of the South or South America, also had the illness and recovered, and a lot of leaders do recover from it. We have no way to predict what this is going to do until we know the seriousness of the infection in terms of how it affects this particular 74-year-old who apparently is quite overweight as well. The, um, this is a bombshell news. This is, uh, this is the kind of news that at the back of your mind you think, well, of course, I mean, we've been waiting for this. If you've, I think you and I commented at one point back when Donald Trump walked across the, uh, the street to the church and he had all around him the entire national security apparatus of America uh, cheek by jowl, and I, I, I think I said to you on, at that time, look what happens if they catch it. So, this is a this is a, an incredible development. Of course, nothing should uh, take place of our initial reaction, which is to wish him well, as he is president of the United States, he's a fellow human being. But the political implications, the international implications, are still being evolving. So let's assume he does fully recover after his two weeks of quarantine. How does he sell this now when you know the comments you just heard him saying about Biden? He said it was a hoax for the longest time. I shouldn't be laughing. Um, but, but how does he sell this once he does recover? The press is saying, look, after Boris Johnson actually caught the disease because he was acting much like, in fact, Bolsonaro as well. Uh, we're acting very much like Donald Trump. They both apparently, according to the estimates, really changed their tune on the on the severity of the crisis and how you handle it. And we know that Donald Trump deliberately downplayed the crisis, saying he didn't want to cause a panic. We had that from the Bob Woodward report. And China, uh, China has tweeted out, President Trump and the First Lady have paid the price for yeah. his gamble to play down the COVID-19 so one of the possible implications is that the U.S. will change course 
even at this late date, and how how the uh, virus is handled domestically. But of course, everybody's speculating what does this do about the election itself? That was my next question, Elliot. Is could this delay the election in any way? No, the, the election will go ahead. Uh, the question is who's going to be leading the ticket. We we assume that Donald Trump will. Uh, recover and we'll be heading the ticket and that it will be basically back to where we were before he made this announcement. There's questions now, well, will the sympathy vote come out for him uh, Mm. saying, you know, we were maybe going to actually vote, but now we will, or we're changing our vote. Or on the other hand, are people going to say, look, he's led America down this path and now he's caught it. So it's, it's totally uncertain. No, the answer to your question is that the election will go ahead. Uh, Vice President Pence, if the worst case scenario came, uh, would uh, head the ticket at that point. But the, um, the <laughs> there's something called the 25th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, which deals in depth with what happens if a president, there's three different parts of it, but what happens if a president is incapacitated? Then it goes, you know, and, and if you listen to the announcement this morning out of the White House, there are contingency plans contingency plans in place. So presumably they, too, are taking a close look on uh, at what point does a vice president replace the president. Uh, and then as an acting secretary, this is a recusal. The president himself can say, I'm too sick right now. I'm signing a paper saying, I hereby temporarily pass this over to the vice president. And then he signs another piece of paper saying, I'm back. Uh, or in worst case scenario, then uh, the vice president succeeds. So this certainly adds a huge measure of uncertainty. Again, I want to stress that it's the health of the leader of America that we have to talk about, and the first lady as well. But the political implications domestically and globally are enormous, and we'll have to see how this evolves, uh, how these symptoms themselves evolve developed or is he is he is it mild is it going to be serious and if so how serious yeah again we just as the virus itself we have no idea how this is going to turn out i'm just assuming he's going to be fine and everything will will continue on but again uh, we we just simply don't know at this point uh, what about the campaign itself what does this do how does this change the campaign i mean this is a great way out of the next debate we won't be exposed to that perhaps how does this exposed, change things moving forward the operative word isn't it uh, yeah, <laughs> the nobody else will be exposed. There's a lot of concern that the previous debate actually could be a, a spreader of the virus, given what we now know. We don't know again until we know the seriousness of this. But quite clearly, the mass rallies are not going to be, which are a mainstay, uh, saying never mind, uh, come out, come out and show your support for me. We're going to do it outdoors mainly, so don't worry about getting sick. Well, he's meanwhile holding indoor fundraising. He was doing that right now. Uh, in Bedminster, uh, so people are gathering in in hotel rooms or whatever uh, to uh, to raise money. How will it affect the campaign? He may now have to campaign more like Joe Biden, and Joe Biden is campaigning uh, basically the way the leader in the polls campaigns. He's he's playing it safe, uh, both figuratively in terms of he's not doing anything that's likely to upset the. Uh, he's not making wild statements that's going to. Up- particularly during that de- debate yeah. that would change it but also uh he's not this you know he's he is visiting states and he, uh, like Trump he was going to the battleground states in particular but both of them are likely to become much more cautious in the nature of how they campaign all right, Elliot Tepper has been with us, Emeritus Professor of Political Science, Carleton University. Uh, unbelievable turn of events, and uh, it's not over yet. We'll chat again. Elliot, thank you so much for the time. Well, Be you're well. You're very welcome. A, definitely an evolving story. I'd be glad to chat with you as, as it unfolds. I'm sure we will touch base next week. Uh, let's bring in Dean Finale, Ph.D. partner in Intellectual Property uh, Department at Safeguard Shaw LLP Washington office, uh, 20 years experience in pharmaceutical and biotechnological uh, management, and is with us now. Uh, Dean, thank you for the time. I hope you're doing well. My pleasure. Good to be with you. How will the rest of America react to this? How does this change the tone of the country? Well, it's, you know, it's a great question, and we'll have to see. I hope, at the very least, it makes people take this a little more seriously, realize that, you know, this virus doesn't discriminate, and, you know, you really do need a mask. I mean, there's been these conflicting messages, and it's unfortunate it's become very politicized. 
But right now, you know, we really need to wear a mask. And hopefully, if anything can, positive can come out of this, it's at the very least that, you know, maybe this will motivate some of those skeptics who didn't think it was important to now, you know, take it a little more seriously. Uh, obviously, the irony here is, is incredible after the stance that the president has taken on this. Will his tone change now after he recovers from this, hoping that he does? You know, that's it's one of those things where I, typically I'd say yes. You know, you think most people, you know, when they experience this, it would change things. But, you know, with all things that President Trump, you know, you just don't know. He seems to stick by his guns even when the most um, you know, influential consultants may tell him, you know, tone it down or change this. He tends to stick with what got him here or there. And it's, you know, so I, I really, I'm anxious to see that myself. I hope it does. Uh, but, you know, if the precedent is, you know, dictates that maybe not. Uh, do you think we're going to see a change in policy as a result of this? Uh, you know, do you see perhaps the president getting sympathy uh, with all of this or the fact that, you know, he said this was all a hoax until, of course, he got it. Uh, people are, are, are not buying into that. Um, will this change his policy moving forward on this? Yeah, I, I think it has to. You know, I mean, I think you can't just keep going along with that same uh, that same line of thinking, no matter how much scientists disagreed with it. You know, the president stuck with it. So I think, you know, to have any any bit of credibility i think it just has to there's no way we can now sit back and say oh this is obviously it's not a hoax it's never been a hoax but you know now that you have the the president of the united states contracting this and the first lady it's it's just got to change you got to take this seriously and i hope there's a more forceful message and uh you know it remains to be seen but in my opinion it, it certainly should how do you think his base is going to react to this those that still think it is a hoax well, uh, you know, normal, rational people should look at this and say, hey, you know, uh, we, he was wrong. We were wrong. Let's take this more serious, because I'll tell you, I, I know people. I've spoken with people that have that line of thinking. And, you know, you kind of scratch your head. But, uh, you know, I think his base, I mean, being a rational person, you just have to come to a different conclusion. And, and you know, the only conclusion you could come to is, hey, this is serious. You know, the most powerful in the man, world, most powerful man in the world has this. You know, let's take this more seriously. So I think his base just really needs to, uh, you know, get in touch with reality and really, you know, take these things seriously, wear the masks and stop, obviously, you know, stop getting in these crowded um, uh, rallies. Do you think we would hear the president say, I was wrong, I got to change my tone on this, and you have to too? No, <laughs> I do not think that, yeah. uh, you know, again, you would think that that would be the statement that would come out. But, um, you know, I am I would basically bet that he would not say that. How do you think he is going to sell this? You know, let's assume he he fully recovers and he's out in two or three weeks. How does he sell this? Well, you know, let's hope it, it's a mild case, you know, and his symptoms aren't that serious. Just, you know, you never want to hear no matter what your opinion of a person is, that they're, they're suffering for this. So let's hope that it's, it's not a serious case. And if that's the case, that it's not serious, I think his spin will be, you know, like I've been saying, you know, if you get this, you'll be fine. I mean, that's yeah. really the only place I can imagine. But, you know, who knows? I mean, you know, he's in that high-risk age group. So, you know, hopefully everything's fine. Uh, but, you know, we'll just have to see. Uh, we haven't really heard from him since the initial tweet last night. Surprised at that? Does that say anything about his health? Apparently, he does have mild symptoms. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, I would, I mean, I think he's probably just coming to terms with this, in my opinion. I, I you know, I'm not surprised. You know, obviously, you know, they're, they're his, he has a child, a young child in high school that, you know, they're probably taking precautions, of course, to make sure he's safe. And I'm sure that's on, uh, uh, the first lady's mind as well. So uh, I don't, I'm not surprised at it. You know, I, I hope the symptoms he's going through are not that serious. Uh, but, you know, that spin that's always coming out of Washington, especially, you know, during uh, the time we're in now, right before an election, you know, we don't know with mild symptoms what that means. Hopefully they truly are mild and he recovers uh, quickly.
Uh, the world finds itself in an unbelievable place right now, and it uh, just got more complicated. Dean Finelli has been with us, uh, partner, PhD partner in intellectual property department at Safarth Shaw LLP's Washington office. Dean, thank you for the time. Be well. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. Just hours before uh, testing positive for COVID-19, here's what the president had to say about the virus. Through advances in treatment, we have reduced the fatality rate by 85% since just April. We are on track to develop and distribute a vaccine before the end of the year and maybe substantially before. And I just want to say that the end of the pandemic is in sight. All right, let's bring in Claire Finkelstein, professor of law and professor of philosophy, University of Pennsylvania Law School, and is with us now. Claire, what was your reaction when you first heard the news? Uh, my my first reaction, of course, I'm, I'm sorry for him. I'm sorry for his wife. I hope they recover. Um, but um, my first reaction was, uh, why did it take so long for him to get sick, given the hmm. refusal to take precautions? Um, and the insistence on endangering not only himself and his family, his aides, his cabinet members, but members of the public. Uh, and he's done that in multiple different ways. He has refused to accept the precautions that are recommended by his own Center for Disease Control to wear a mask. Uh, he has insisted under many circumstances that people around him actually remove their masks, that they not wear the mask. The staff at the debate just recently were not wearing masks. He was not wearing a mask. As you mentioned in the opening clip, he ridiculed Joe Biden for wearing a mask. He has told his supporters not to wear masks. He has uh, ridiculed the need to stay six feet apart, and he's held just and as he just did in Bedminster, a major campaign rally where people were not social distancing. So when you flout all the recommendations that science has to offer on how to deal with this deadly virus, that you raise the chances substantially that you will get sick, but also that you endanger people around you. And his leadership on this has endangered many, many people in the United States. And uh, and as I say, his own family and his own staff. Uh, obviously, Claire, we know his position on this, uh, you know, for 29 weeks now. How does he sell this now? How does he sell this now that he has what he has called a hoax? How does he how does he come? Yeah. Let's assume he recovers. How does he come out the other end of this and sell it? Well, this hoax is going to be very uncomfortable for him, not only his personal health, but for how he runs a campaign now. I mean, this has been a major plank of his reelection bid. He has not only you know, done all the things that I just mentioned, but he's made war on governors, particularly Democratic governors, who were trying to put stay-at-home orders in place. Um, he, was, he was fostering dissent to those orders among supporters, speaking directly to people and telling them to reject the restrictions on them. Uh, there, there have been lawsuits. There have been rallies. Uh, there's been every manner of resistance to all of the measures that would uh, help get the virus under control. And he has been visibly and obviously behind that resistance. That's been part of his appeal to a, an American population with a very strong individualist bent it wouldn't sell in europe but it sells to an american public and now he has to reverse course he cannot continue in that vein and his entire platform therefore has sort of fallen apart do so we what really going to do now to sell himself so uh, will i guess we really don't know how he will react until we realize how seriously or uh, how ill he is is he seriously ill is right. he not ill i could see him coming out of this and if he comes out of this relatively unscathed say look i'm a 70 some odd year old guy and i'm fine what's the problem here but if he if if he turns out to to be ill and quite ill, perhaps like the leader of the UK, Boris Johnson uh, was, that that's a different tone. 
Well, he has two comorbidities. And, you know, I'm not a medical expert, but this is what I hear the medical experts saying, which is he is 74 years old. So he is an older American and age is absolutely a risk factor. Um, Older men are up to twice as likely to die from COVID-19. I understand that women of the same age. Um, And so an older male puts him at a great risk and he is morbidly obese. And that is an enormous risk factor. And so he, he surely will not have an easy time of it. So I doubt that he can come out saying, you know, what's the big deal? I think the message is, messaging is going to have to change. Now, as Nancy Pelosi, a Speaker of the House, pointed out today in her um, really excellent press conference, uh, she said, look, this is time for us to look at the HEROES Act, an act that would um, put funding in place for precautions that the country badly, badly needs uh, for virus, um, for, for a uh, immunization uh, to develop a vaccine, to, um, to, to put the resources that the states need to fight this for treatment and so on and so forth. And I think that bill, which has been, you know, the president has set himself against uh, members uh, majority in the Senate has set itself against uh, may now have a chance of passage. So there might be some good that would come out of this where um, the Republicans start stop fighting these precautions so hard, start uniting perhaps with Democratic efforts in the states to get the virus under control. And maybe there's a chance for some kind of bipartisan um, you know, coordination, at least a, a dim- diminution of acrimony around this so that we Could can the, get our country out of this problem. Obviously, uh, you know, the irony here is, is well, it's obvious. Uh, what about the sympathy vote? Could this work for the president? Uh, obviously, he's made a call here. It was the wrong one. Now he's sick. He, he will pay the price in that respect. But is there a chance this could work for him in the sense that now he has a sympathy vote? Yeah, it did for Boris Johnson. So that's, you know, Boris Johnson had, when he got better, and he was very sick, I mean, he was on a ventilator and so on, uh, he he had a big bounce in popularity in the polls and was um, able to get a lot of his agenda through, uh, it's being said, that he couldn't do before because of this increase in sympathy. I think it is unlikely to work that way for Donald Trump, however, mainly because of that first factor I gave. I mean, Boris Johnson did not set himself against preventative and treatment measures that he was, you know, is very different in the UK. Here, it's been a major, major rallying cry. And with all the civil unrest that's happened in this country, um, in demonstrations uh, sparked by Black Lives Matter movement, but what has really been injected in there is this kind of right wing resistance element, and that a lot of that has at least um, played off of the resistance to restrictions in the state. So I think it's too bound up with our politics that he has been against any of uh, any of the measures. And, and we have more than 200,000 people dead in this country. Um, it was you know, bad in the UK, but not to that extent. How does his base justify this? How does his base digest this news? I think they're going to have a problem with it. I mean, they, you know, these are people who were so fanatically devoted to him that when he said, you know, famously several months ago that, you know, maybe the thing to do is to get bleach inside the body, Hmm. people were drinking and, and there were a number of cases of poisonings because his followers were literally willing to drink bleach or inject bleach, um, you know, purchasing ultraviolet lights to shine them. I mean, it was just unbelievable. Um, and now, you know, what treatment is he going to um, opt for? He'll, he'll opt for, for himself and for his wife. He will opt for the treatment that medical science recommends, not, you know, voodoo science um, drawn from the odd recesses of his of his brain so um he will not be drinking bleach for his treatment his followers are going to see that 
He's going to want real medical care. And guess what? The White House is having, you know, our government, think about the number of people who are potentially infected because of Hope Hicks, because of him. Um, Hope Hicks was exposed to Jared Kushner. Who knows how many people, if Kushner turns out to be positive, whether or not he has infected people. The government can be in a state of paralysis because of this. And in order to avoid that, they're going to have to take all the recommended steps that Trump has been ridiculing. They're going to have to engage in contact tracing. They're going to have to engage in extensive testing. Uh, they're going to start. I think we're going to start seeing precautions. I think we're going to see people wearing masks in press conferences, which we haven't seen before. Uh, this is going to be a game changer, and his followers are going to have to digest that because it's not going to be same old, you know, business as usual. Uh, last question: What is being said in the war rooms of each campaign today? What What is going on in the Republican war room? What is going on in the Democratic war room today? Well, the first question is: uh, President Trump was on a on a debate stage with Joe Biden for ninety minutes with those two men yelling at each other. And he was presumably already infectious at that point. Um, so, you know, question, is Joe Biden okay? Right? That, that's the first thing we need to know is do we have... The news that we're hearing now is that he... The news that we're hearing now, Claire, is that he is he has tested negative. So uh, negative. Vice President okay, Biden is negative. Yeah. That. I did not know that. That's yeah. important. So, okay. So that's number one. Then number two is what happens to the debate schedule? So we have the, you know, vice, the vice president debate is the next one. But then on October 15th, it's supposed to be the next debate, um, next presidential debate. Now, you know, I'd be willing to bet that that is not going to happen. I do not think uh, it's likely that the president is going to be ready to to jump into that debate, though maybe he will be. And so what are they going to do? Are they going to cancel the debate? Will they uh, transform it into a second vice presidential mm. debate? Um, you know, what happens now on the campaign trail? So that's sort of the first question that I would have. But it absolutely throws, you know, those yeah. The pattern, the, the the timeline, everything that was planned into into total disarray. Claire Finkelstein has been with us, professor of law and professor of philosophy, University of Pennsylvania Law School. Claire, as always, thank you so much for the time. Much appreciated. Be well. Thanks for having me, Scott. Reggie Giacchini, Washington producer and correspondent with Global News, is with us now. Reggie, thanks for the time. Hope you're well. What's the buzz around Washington today? Well, look, there are questions that are being raised as to the severity of the virus that the president has right now, where he contracted it and how far back contract contact tracing is going to have to go. Uh, and if we can say this just right now in the last couple of minutes, uh, we've learned that the president was supposed to be on a phone call uh, at 12.15 with governors across the United States. And we've now learned that the president did not make that phone call, but instead the vice president uh, was on that call. Uh, so we're now waiting and working to see uh, whether or not the president uh, had something else planned or, or whether or not this is due to COVID-19, which his uh, chief of staff had earlier said uh, had just given uh, the president mild symptoms. So we haven't heard from Donald Trump since his tweet last night. What is that saying or is that saying anything? Well, I mean, look, he came out and said that it was positive, and the chief of staff came out and said that he is working inside uh, the executive residence, uh, that he is continuing to uh, deal with things having to do with legislation and having to do with the Supreme Court nominee, talking to Mitch McConnell earlier today. But the fact that he missed out on this governor's phone call does raise questions. Also, the fact that we simply haven't heard from Donald Trump outside of that one tweet. We have heard from the first lady who put a tweet out there saying that they're feeling mild symptoms, uh, but there are significantly more unanswered questions than there are any kind of answers uh, based on this bombshell that dropped in the middle of the night. How is the president going to sell this? Let's assume the president fully recovers and moves on within a couple of weeks after quarantine and such. How does he sell this after positioning it as a a hoax for so long? What does he say to his base about this? It is a good question, and this is going to have to be a public relations strategy that needs to shift for the Trump campaign. You're right. He has treated this not with the severity that it deserved, not with the severity that he understood based on that conversation with Bob Woodward earlier this year. Uh, and his, his own base has turned around and said back that they don't believe 
coronavirus is a significant issue. And that's because of how the president has acted in public when he is dealing with these campaign rallies, allowing people to not be socially distanced, allowing people to enter the venues and not wearing any masks while himself creating his own disinformation campaign. This is going to be difficult for the president outside of saying, look, I contracted the virus. I was able to recover from the virus. But it also calls into question all of that time that the president's base shot back at media for criticizing President Trump over saying hydroxychloroquine uh, was a preventative measure for the virus. He took hydroxychloroquine, or at least said that he did earlier this year, that obviously did nothing to stop him from getting the virus. How does this change the campaign moving forward? Even if he continues to recover today, he's still going to have to be in quarantine for two weeks. How does this change things? He is going to to remain in quarantine, and that's going to have an impact on his ability to get out the vote. Look, President Trump is trailing in key swing states like Michigan and Wisconsin and Pennsylvania. There are states like Ohio, South Carolina and Florida, which are very slowly seeing Trump's support erode. And without him being able to be on the ground, without him being able to have his typical campaign rally, uh, there's a potential here for that support to go to potentially Joe Biden if he's able to get his campaigns into position to hold any kind of rally for what's left of this election campaign. Uh, you know, look, the president could get some kind of sympathy support here from from voters on the ground, but this is not uh, an opportune time, A, for the president to, to contract this virus. It never would be. Uh, but especially when he's looking to try and shore up a base that's eroding, this poses problems for his campaign. What about other Republicans, uh, staff, such? What what are their comments on all of this? Well, look, there's a genuine fear inside the White House right now, uh, solely because this is not only, uh, you know, this is not the first time that coronavirus has presented itself in a positive test in the White House. Uh, the the uh, aides to Vice President Pence have tested positive. Donald Trump's own uh, senior aide, Hope Hicks, yesterday tested positive. And, and she was able to, to continue on and be around several senior officials in the administration uh, during the day yesterday, which is raising concerns that this virus could potentially be spreading further throughout the White House. We're also learning, though, that new members of, of government are testing positive as well. Utah Senator Mike Lee has announced that he has tested positive. He was at the White House earlier this week. He met with just uh, with Judge Amy Coney Barrett uh, after she was nominated by, by President Trump last weekend. So there's a grave concern here now that coronavirus is actively spreading throughout the U.S. government. Uh, Reggie, I'm going to give you another question you can't answer. We've talked um, at length about how you know certain issues would damage other people. How, do, in in the grand scheme of everything that has happened in this administration, how does this rate? Is this enough to change things? Is that how significant of of an event is this in the in the history of Donald Trump's presidency? Well, look, this this is a mark on the presidency uh, that may force them to shift their thinking, particularly if they find themselves uh, reelected and have another four years in office. This has been an office and administration that has actively worked to undermine and undercut both science and scientists uh, by saying that President Trump knows better than anyone. President Trump knows science better than the scientists is what we've heard. Uh, And the president himself finding out that he is now able to contract COVID-19, that he is not an invincible force. Uh, This may make them rethink their stance on science. Uh, But this also is an opportunity uh, for for Democrats and for Joe Biden uh, to look back on the Trump presidency to say, here are things that went wrong. uh, And here's why things need to change in this country, because Donald Trump's response to coronavirus has been criticized from day one. And that criticism has resulted or at least led to this moment now where Donald Trump himself has contracted a virus that he failed to take control of. Uh, Last question, Reggie. When will we know more about Donald Trump's health? So we've heard from uh, the chief of staff, Mark Meadows, that the White House physicians and those close to the president's uh, medical team uh, are expected to be giving announcements throughout the day. But again, given the fact that the president wasn't on that 12-15 phone call and there have been no updates given, uh, there are questions being raised as to when information is going to come out. Look, the, the U.S. is in a crisis situation right now. Uh, it, it's become vulnerable as a national security target. Foreign adversaries could use this to their own advantage uh, uh, to try and, and, and take advantage of the fact that the president's health uh, is in decline momentarily. 
uh, somebody needs to come out and say something to help offset the series of questions, but also the series of conspiracies that could unravel uh, if information is not given about the president. Reggie Giacchini has been with us, Washington correspondent for Global News. Make sure you're watching Global News tonight at 5.30 and 6 for more on all of this. As always, Reggie, thanks so much for the time. Be well. Thank you. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. Let's bring in Michael Tobe, Troy Media syndicated columnist, contributor to the Washington Times, former speechwriter for Stephen Harper. Michael, I hope you're well today. I am well listening to Megadeth. I'm always well. How are you? That's doing, it. Bob? I could just see you there with your head bobbing back and forth there, and it cranked up. Uh, nah, Michael, no <laughs> you know, I, w- I fell asleep on the couch last night watching Jimmy Kimmel, and then I woke up to a headline. I honestly thought it was a sketch on the Jimmy Kimmel show. I could not believe it and had to flip around to actually see what was happening. What were your thoughts when you first heard the information that the president had tested positive for COVID-19? Yeah, I was actually kind of shocked. I actually was not awake. I had already been asleep, so I woke up relatively early in the morning, so I caught it more than people probably did at that point. But, yeah, I mean, look, obviously due to the number of cases or active cases of COVID-19 in the United States, including active number of deaths, etc., the odds were getting more and more in favor of someone like a Donald Trump or people within the White House administration uh, to getting COVID-19. And there have been already some smaller cases of it, but no one on the senior level had up until that point. When Hope Hicks, one of his senior advisors, got it, it certainly opened the door to the possibility that President Trump, his family, Mike Pence, the vice president, and his family and others could have potentially got it. In the end, ultimately, the fact that Donald Trump and Melania Trump, his wife, the first lady, got it, It's very unfortunate. And regardless of what people think of Donald Trump, I mean, we have to we're in this together and we have to wish the recovery. And it's wrong to do otherwise. I I really don't care what people's feelings are on this issue. It's absolutely wrong to wish the worst for him. And I'm not suggesting any of your listeners are. But boy, on social media, there's a ton. And it's just awful. You know, you would really hope that organizations like Twitter, Facebook and others would start either bringing these things down or condemning them or blocking them. I haven't seen much of anything as of yet, but again, it's up to them. They're they're private organizations. Yeah, why would you see that now? Pardon me? Yeah, why would you see that now? But I mean, after blowing this off for so long and then eventually the president does come down with it, how does, and let's hope and assume that he does come out the other end and and he recovers, say, two, three weeks from now, how does he sell that now that he's had the disease? Yeah, this is very, very difficult. The message has completely shifted, and something completely new has to be crafted because you can't go back to the old way of Donald Trump using, in many ways, sort of a blase attitude towards COVID-19, or if nothing else, being dismissive of various things, wearing a mask, social distancing, etc. Now, I realize that over the last few weeks, Donald Trump's message has actually changed to some degree, and we have to accept that, and I think that's a good thing. But at the same time, no, he he won't be able to do the same thing that we even saw during the first presidential debate, for example, where he was very critical of Democratic presidential candidate Joe Biden, making the point that even if he was 200 feet away from someone, he would wear this enormous mask, or the largest mask he'd ever seen. Those sorts of lines obviously don't work. They didn't work then at that time, Scott, and they certainly don't work now. Um, It also depends what happens to him. Right now, they're reporting that he has minor symptoms, and we have to hope that's the most he and his wife get, and they come out of it in the next week or two feeling a lot better. But if it does get worse, that changes the message and the narrative even further, because then you have to realize that you know, what he was talking about in private with Bob Woodward during the creation of the author's book, that where he was talking about it being, you know, a deadly situation, so to speak, you know, that certainly that case would be, you know, prevalent in this point, as well, you know, if he faces something similar to what British Prime Minister Boris Johnson did a few months ago, where he actually had to go to the hospital and have an oxygen mask on, that would be horrifying. No one's assuming that's going to happen with Mr. Trump and his wife, but that would be a terrible situation. So a lot of it depends on the next few days, how quickly the two Trumps recover from this. And yeah, I mean, things are going to change quite dramatically. We don't know exactly yet how they're going to do so, 
but it's going to be very, very different. And we're even seeing now some quotes, and maybe you've talked about it already on your show, uh, The Week magazine, which is based in the UK but is sold internationally, is reporting, I'm not sitting in front of it, so I'm just going to paraphrase, that Donald Trump has actually apparently told his revisers, or reportedly told some of them, that he thinks, that he thinks he's going to pay the price for this with the voters, based on the fact that he's been you know, doing so much one way, and now all of a sudden he's tested negative for COVID-19, positive for COVID-19, and obviously things are going to be very, very different for him for the remainder of the campaign. So we'll see where it all goes. Uh, and you, you sort of touched on this. My question was, how is this going to change the campaign moving forward? But that being said, it really does depend on how he recovers. If he fully recovers, he may say, see, look, I did it. I'm in my 70s. I'm fine. Exactly. Nothing to, nothing you know, to see here. However, if it takes a turn from the, for the worse, it could be a completely different, uh, a completely different reaction. Very much so, although obviously he's not going to basically wash his hands away and start talking about hydrochloroquine and all the benefits of that. I think those days, fortunately, are over with. Uh, but yes, if it turns out to only be minor symptoms and he gets better, uh, he can basically try to show that, you know, Americans working together, you know, we're getting stronger, we're able to fight this deadly disease, we're all going to make it, you know, most of us are going to make it through it. They can certainly craft messaging in that fashion. But yeah, I mean, not to be a broken record, but if it's much worse for him, it's going to be very, very different. We have to wait and see. How do you think his base will react to this, who many thought this disease did not even exist, and now their leader has it? How will his base react? You know, it's an interesting question, and others are wondering. Um, I haven't spent enough time looking around to see. I I mean, obviously, some of his public supporters and main supporters, which includes advisors, team members, and campaign staff, they're obviously all taking it seriously. If you look at their social media posts or interviews that they've had here and there, everyone's taking it quite seriously. I mean, they're obviously saying that the White House is still business as usual and the the president is doing a lot of his work, but just in quarantine or in isolation. Um, But I think that obviously it's more reserved now. They're trying to be a little more careful with the message. And they're also trying to be a little bit more careful when it comes to a description of the U.S. president and COVID-19. But again, in terms of his base supporters or the strong party supporters, that's a fascinating question because even late at night last night, you know, for example, during uh, President Trump's interview, which who knows, maybe one of his last interviews on the campaign, depending on his health, we'll see what happens. But he had it with Sean Handy, which is a soft landing for him on Fox News. You know, he basically came out with a very clear message, you know, condemning white supremacists, the KKK, the Proud Boys, etc. What he should have done during the presidential debate, and in fairness, comments that are similar to things he said over the years that I've talked about with you and others, but it was a very clear, defined message that, at least if nothing else, put it out there. And the timing was apropos, because now the narrative is going to really shift towards health, safety, COVID-19, and so forth. So he actually put, you know, a a little neat, tidy little bow for himself on those lines. It's not going to stop, obviously, his critics from saying otherwise, but there's going to be less focus on it. Again, a lot of it just sort of depends on how things go over the next little while. And I'm sure that a lot of his supporters are probably keeping very tight-lipped at this stage. They realize that speaking out is not going to benefit them. They realize that, obviously, the narrative has changed for President Trump and his re-election bid, but they're being cautious and being careful, I would think. But of course, there are always going to be some noisy people on social media who are very strong Trump supporters, and their message will be exactly the same. Not a good idea on their part, but what can you do? Uh, should he, If you were advise, advising him, would you tell him to come out and say, you know what, I was wrong, and I apologize for that, and this is a real concern, let's move forward? If I were advising him, Scott, I would have said for him to do this long ago. I really would have. Yeah. I, mean, I think most rational thinking people would as well. You know, this has just gone way too overboard, you know, from Trump's press conferences to his statements about injecting bleach. I, you know, yes, I know he keeps saying he was sarcastic, and probably in the end he was. The problem is with this man in terms of the way he speaks, the way he writes, and the way he crafts messaging – a lot of the details are missing, so anything is certainly possible. And I think he was being sarcastic, but it just looked so bad, and it took him days to come out for that. 
But I think that I would have said this earlier, and I wouldn't be shocked if a lot of people around him in the White House have probably tried to calmly suggest to him that we need to tone down certain things, emphasize others, and stay within the realm of facts, ideas, scientific research, and evidence. But again, it's, it's a hard battle. He's the president of the United States, and you know, within reason, there's a lot of things that he can do that even if all his advisors are against him, he can just simply ignore them and move forward. He doesn't have a system of party politics the same way that we do in Canada through the Westminster model. Although there are parties in the United States, it's basically done on a more individual basis. That's how the presidential system tends to work. So you have advisors, key advisors, they give you advice, but it's really up to the president to decide whether he, she, they want to listen to it. So that's part of the problem. I only got about uh, 20 seconds left. Are you surprised we haven't heard from him today? No, I think he was actually probably told, stay secluded, do your work, don't get too involved in things, but don't worry, he'll be back out. I mean, he can't, he can't stay away from Twitter. That's just the way he is. Hmm. Whether he has COVID-19 or doesn't have it, it's something that interests him because it's a way to get in touch with his supporters and message other people. But I think the best move for him today is deal with the, you know, the, the, the virus, deal with, the, with COVID-19, work on his health, and then get back to, you know, working order in a few days time michael tobe has been with us troy media syndicated columnist contributor to the washington times former speechwriter for stephen harper as always michael thank you for the time be well my pleasure have a nice weekend you're listening to the scott thompson show podcast on 900 chml linda writes i find it so interesting there is so much different attention into interpreting donald trump's remarks um well that's because donald trump is purposely confusing uh donald trump creates his own mess so the best way to stop people from putting words into one's own mouth is to speak clearly and concisely on the topic at which he 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 is referring to and he does not do that you know again the other day he was simply asked to come out and 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 uh and speak up against white supremacy and it took like a day or two for him to actually do it now he did it indirectly he did, but he wouldn't say the words, and he just plays those games with people. So, you know, don't present me with a person who continually changes the story, who continually changes the facts, and you don't think so? You wait. You wait and see what he says after getting COVID-19, how his facts change. Uh, and then you're blaming the media for misinterpreting things. You know, it's like, you know what that's like? That's like when the prime minister doing during his... Uh, his cottage speeches there at the beginning of the pandemic and he, he there was 22 seconds of silence there when he was asked I, I believe it was something about trump and then everybody was miss everybody was trying to interpret what the prime minister was trying to say with his 22 seconds of silence well rather than wait you know let everybody try to figure out what the prime minister was thinking during those 22 seconds of silence why wouldn't it be a good idea just for the prime ministers to speak up and say it's the same thing with Donald Trump. You know, you can't say something and then and not fully explain yourself and then complain when people uh, misinterpret what you're saying. Let's be honest. Donald Trump's been in everybody's face every single day since the day he was elected. He's the one that starts the narrative. And all Donald Trump has to do with any of this is come forward and explain himself. Same thing with his tax returns. It's always so vague. It's always so confusing. It's always the... Well, just show us. End of story. And it's the same thing with all of this. I mean, he creates his own problems. And then blames the media for it. It's incredible. And again, it is going to be fascinating to see... And I believe he'll come out of this. I think it's going to be fascinating to see... Once he recovers, two weeks, three weeks from now when he's out of quarantine, how he sells this to the American people. You know, the other thing, here's another one, the hoax. He never called it a hoax. He said what the Democrats were selling was a hoax. What the hell does that mean? (laughs) You know, and again, he deals in confusion. He deals in confusion because he doesn't know anything. So if you can constantly look at the facts and create confusion, 
There never is a right answer. You never have to find a solution because you're in perpetual confusion. So if there's somebody who's misinterpreting the real Donald Trump, he can certainly fix that at any time. But he likes this. He likes the attention. And it's going to be fascinating to see how he responds to a virus that he has now caught, that he has now trying to survive, how he justifies misrepresenting it all this time. Eh, it's not that important. Didn't want to panic anybody. Come on. Let's bring in the Reverend Jim Carrier from Good Shepherd Church in St. Catharines. He is with us now. Jim, thanks for the time. Hope you're well. Oh, I am well. How are you, Scott? Oh, Jimmy, what a day. How do we have faith in the world on a day like today? Pardon? How do we have faith in the world on a day like today? Well, we, we actually look around at, at the majority. That we look around at the people in our lives. We look around at the people that are close to us, the people that really, truly influence our day-to-day lives, that would be friends and family, and we latch on to them. Um, I watched the debate myself, and, and, um, and I'm, I'm telling you, I'm not going to watch the next one, yeah. because I really haven't seen any message of hope from either of the candidates, and, and Biden as well. There was just the, uh, this, this whole huge... Um, um, back and forthing like children, and no policies. There was no hope, uh, future hope for for the nation expressed there. That's not to say that there isn't any, but it just wasn't expressed in, in in that evening. And I just thought to myself, I have to, I have to avoid this. I have to, you know, I have to pay a little more attention to the people that are close to me in order in order to get through this. Now, the election is not really going to affect. Uh, you know, Canadians as much as it will Americans, but uh, but that you know, just that 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 one instance of just watching that uh, unfold was was just incredible. But there is hope, you know, even though it's not mentioned in the candidates, and uh, and and our hope is in one another. Our you know, our hope is in you and I. Our hope is in you know. Here's the thing about hope, right? It's, is if you're not doing anything, like hope is the projection of a future reality that you that you believe will be true, and then you live your life according to that future reality. Otherwise, you're just wishful thinking. So if you want to make change, if you want to make change in the world, and you, you hope that things will get better, then you need to, to guide your life. You need to live your life on a day-to-day basis as if that hope were already a reality. Does that make any sense? Well said, Jimmy. The Reverend Jim Carrier has been with us uh, with this weekly message of hope from uh, Good Shepherd Church in St. Catharines. Make sure you check out Jim Carrier's uh, Facebook page. It is very enlightening and uplifti- uh, uplifting. Jim, as always, thank you for the time. Sorry I had to cut you short today. We will catch up again next week. Take care. No worries. Talk to you then, Scott. God bless. The Scott Thompson Show. Weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML. This is the Scott Thompson Podcast, available on Apple Podcast and Google Podcast, or wherever you get yours. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review so you don't miss a thing. I'm Scott Thompson, and thanks for listening.